Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Maureen Neer. I'm 33 and currently reside in Chicago, Illinois. I started cooking while I was in college, getting my interior design degree. It was always an interest of mine growing up, but like I started actually cooking in restaurants and was like, oh, I'm into this. Maureen was a chef in Chicago and she liked her work but it came with a lot of downsides. All the things you hear about working in a kitchen are true. Long hours, shitty pay, lots of stress, lots of chaos, lots of Bernie Cuddy, <laughs> you know. When the pandemic hit, she decided it was time for a change. I was like, I don't want to be in the service industry. I already know how customers act. It's only going to get worse. Maureen is one of hundreds of thousands of service workers across the U.S. that didn't return to the industry when the country started opening back up. And I was able to take the time to apply to 7 million jobs and finally get one. <laughs> Restaurants, hotels, and other hospitality businesses are trying to address the labor shortage by raising wages. But still, many workers aren't coming back. Oh, yeah. No, we've had people, a lot of people leave the in industry over the last 18, 20 months. Detailer is the president of Unite Here, a union that represents workers in hotel and food service jobs. So it sounds like hospitality workers were already pretty burnt out by the time the pandemic hit. How did the last two years make things worse in the hospitality industry? Well, in most part, those workers were abandoned by the companies who said that they were wonderful. Uh, the pandemic hit, a lot of shutdown. Workers were discarded like an old pair of shoes. Those that were still working often were overworked, underpaid. Um, and I think people just reassessed what's important in life. Uh, lots of parts of our industry are low pay, no benefit, high turnover jobs. And I think in the pandemic, people were like, you know, life's pretty short, as we've seen. And I don't want to just survive. I want to live and I want to have a piece of the American dream. So they've moved on. And where are they going? Well, they're going into warehousing. They're doing health care. They're entrepreneurs, too. They're starting their own businesses. It's a really mixed bag. So you mentioned better pay and work benefits. Are there any other newfound priorities that workers have developed since the pandemic? You know, is there a, an equivalent to remote work for service industry workers? Health and safety. It's a big issue. I mean, you know, it's always been, well, you think about health and safety, rightfully so, in a coal mine, or you think of health and safety in a factory. In our industry, you don't think about it much. Well, they're interacting with customers all the time, and they work in close quarters. I've been dealing with workers for 40 years, and, you know, health and safety was only an issue when ever there would be some horrible accident. That's not the case now. Workers want a safe work environment. And so that is definitely a big thing. And then the other thing, this question of uh, much more reliable scheduling. They want to be able to count on an income, not just a wage. 
And that's one of the reasons why they've lost workers. Like, for example, I was talking to a worker the other day who I knew, a long-term member. And uh, I said, how's work? You know, I asked him which hotel. He goes, you know, I'm not working there. I said, well, why didn't you go back? He goes, well, I'm working at the warehouse where I don't make quite as much money per hour, but I got 40 hours. And so... I'm good, and my wife is working. She has the health insurance. I'm on her coverage. So I think this idea of health and safety and the kind of scheduling that is not so wildly up and down, those are two issues that have really popped up that, you know, we're always there. They're more pronounced now. Another story we're hearing is that hospitality workers are getting these huge jumps in pay. Pay for non-managers, their pay went up 13% last month compared to a year earlier. You know, that's a $2 jump, which is sort of unheard of. Why isn't that bringing workers back? Well, because you have to look at what the base is. If you're paying somebody 12 bucks an hour going up to 14, you still can't survive on that. So I think that's a misleading statistic. Now, if somebody was making, let's say, $30 an hour, okay, well, 13% increase is, you know, substantial. You know, and remember, in 43 states... You can have a tip wage as low as two thirteen an hour, uh, so you're making two thirteen an hour, and you're counting on tips. I think a lot of people have just said, "No, nah, I'm not doing that anymore." You know, a lot has been said about technology being used in the leisure and hospitality industry. You know, uh, machines helping people flip burgers, or you know, kiosks in the hotels. How has technology affected the quality of people's jobs in the industry? I, I mean. Uh, Listen, no one's going to stop technology. The question is, is it going to be useful or is it just going to be another way to hurt workers? And it's also what the customers want or don't want. I mean, frankly, if you go into a hotel nowadays, a lot of hotels uh, want to get rid of daily housekeeping. There's nobody at the front desk. There's a kiosk and there's no room service. So you have to rely on some delivery service to come to the hotel and figure out where you are at. So the whole service has been dumbed down. And frankly, even though they say there's a worker shortage, really what they're trying to do, like they've done in every single crisis in our industry, whether after 9-11 or the Great Recession, they want to use the pandemic to permanently cut jobs to save on labor and just put money in their pockets. But Technology marches on. That's correct. I mean, I've been involved with a lot of negotiations about technology and will continue to do so. It should be used for the benefit of workers, not in a detrimental sense. Right. I was talking to someone who said, you know, this could make jobs better, you know, could take the more mundane or laborious or backbreaking labor out of it. And, you know, then people can focus on something they like better. Do you you believe that? Well, I guess when they figure out how to make a bed and talk to a customer how to make a customized drink and how to carry a bag to a room or talk to somebody at the front desk about what's the best play in town, then maybe. But now their technology will continue to come in. Like I told somebody, when's the last time you went to a bank teller, use ATM or something like that? At the same time, part of the hospitality industry is just that, a hospitality industry. It is about responding and servicing to guests. You've worked in the hospitality industry or no? Oh, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, you know, I was a classic. I was, uh, uh, my first job was in uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken when I was 14 years old. But then I worked as a host, I worked as a busser, I worked as a waiter, I worked as a dishwasher, I worked as a bartender. I did it all. And, you know, part of what you want to do in the hospitality industry, and one of the big problems is 
you want to work the same or less hours and make more money. I mean, that's why I became a bartender or a waiter as compared to a bus or a dishwasher. Um, and so I think one of the big hurdles they have in the hospitality industry is what's my career ladder? Because how many people nowadays want to start off as a housekeeper, as a kitchen worker? Those are tough jobs. And it's like, okay, am I going to get stuck here like my parents were stuck here and they didn't get to advance? Or is there a pathway for me to move forward? And are you dedicated to me and to the workers that are making you money? I want to go back to Maureen, the worker we heard of at the top of the episode. In her case, the pandemic was a chance to get out of the hospitality industry and find work as a purchasing manager for a telecom company. It's nice. I work remote. Uh, It's a very different, very different world. And while this job is stressful in different ways, ultimately, I'm still getting to work from home, which gives me a lot more free time to do life things, you know. I have health insurance, which is nice. (laughs) And it just feels a little more stable and, like, less likely for me to get burnt out. What are some other industries that you're seeing a lot of these workers turn to? And why are they picking these jobs instead? Well, what we're finding, let's just take healthcare. We're finding a lot of our folks who their companies turned their back on them. They went to go work in hospitals doing, you know, food or cleaning. Now, those tend to be good union jobs, so they, they pay well. And it's not seasonal. It's 40 hours a week. One of the big things is in talking to folks, they go, okay, if I go back to work and business slows down, I'm going to get laid off or my hours cut, and then my hours get cut. I, I can't make my health insurance. I can't pay my rent. A guaranteed 40 hours is a big deal. It, it's income. It's not just wages. Let's just say, let's talk about $16. $16 is going to pay what in Boston for rent or in San Francisco or in Los Angeles or in New York or Chicago. doesn't matter where you are. We all know housing and rents has gone through the roof. Let's say you work 2,000 hours. Okay, so you're making $32,000 a year. Can you live on that in a big city, et cetera, et cetera? And it, they're not getting 40 hours. So that's what's going on. The era of our industry just being a low-wage, no-benefit, dead-end job industry, I think they're paying the price for that. A lot of people are saying right now that the power is in the hands of these hospitality workers because of the demand for their labor, but it's a little more complicated than that, right? Oh, yeah. It's a lot more complicated than that. I think for the first time in my lifetime, at least, workers have a little bit more leverage. Power comes and goes. The only way to guarantee power in the long time is to do stuff in a collective way. I remember uh, I was reading about the Montgomery bus boycott. Dr. King said, well, the first two weeks were inspirational. The next 12 and a half months were perspirational. You got to build an institution in order to not only guarantee what you have now, but to improve in the future. Because no one here thinks that this will just continue on forever. There'll be adjustments, there'll be changes. And if you don't have something institutionally strong, you lose it. They take it back. They always do. Workers are pissed off. There's no question about that. And throughout the country, and they should be. And here in the pandemic, they were told often they were essential, except when it came to their pay and benefits and their rights. Number two, it's a unique uh, situation to have a a labor shortage uh, that gives you a little bit more leverage. It doesn't last. And number three, 
We actually have a president uh, that believes in unions. Uh, that's a unique thing. And he wants to be supportive. Uh, that's an environment uh, that is all good for workers, but we have to take advantage of it. Thanks for listening to Rico Daily. My name is Ronnie Mola. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinoza and engineered by Paul Robert Mounsey. 